take us this time. <sighs> well, here we are. Felix and Al, one more time in Waran, Peru. New adventures await. New horizons, new stories, new experiences. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Man, I love that song. The best song I only, in the world. I only hear that when we do this, so it immediately puts me in the in the space. You know, it's, it's our self hypnosis. It is, really is. When I work out, I have a playlist. There's like 12 songs on it, and I'm so sick of them. But that's all I listen to because it like my mind knows. Okay, this here we go. The first song is DMX. It's uh, X gonna give it to you. No, um, it's the intro song from. Uh, from his album, uh, it's hot. It's hot in hell is something. It's an intro song. It's so good. I can't even replicate it. But anyway, and there's some Pearl Jam. There's some Wu Tang, some Metallica. But all those songs, I'm, I'm tired of them. But <laughs> but I'm not tired of this song, man. I never get tired of this song. No. Maybe if we did this three times a week, like I work out three times a week, I'd get <laughs> get old. But Maybe if we're on the loop. On the loop, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Twirl. Just this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> There's no talking. It's just the song. The <laughs> over and over. Well, here we are in uh, in our spot here, uh, outside your house here in Waran. And your house is empty, almost. And this is a, this is a big time. Felix, Felix and... Southfire leaving, Waran moving out. So, man, where are you going, dude? I know where you're going, but maybe the people don't. Maybe. Maybe they have to follow us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Momentous. Momentous mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's funny, though, how the turntables have turned. Because <laughs> we, we had this chat a year and a half ago when you were heading out the door on your adventure. Two, almost two years ago to the, to the day. No, I think I left in December, but yeah, pretty much. No, three D years ago. Three years ago. Yeah, it was December 2020 when I left, yeah. Whoa. Well, let's, let's pray there's not a pandemic when I leave. I think we're good, man. So I'm going to the Great White North where there's lots of snow. I'm going to Canada. We're gonna we're gonna sit in the snow for a while, and then we're going to Thailand. Cool. Yes, sir. We're gonna see. I've I've never been to Asia. Closest I've been to Asia is Hawaii, and Hawaii was. You're halfway there. I'm halfway there. Yeah, another five hours, five and a half hours. Um, so yeah, I'm curious. I don't know what Thailand will bring. It's interesting because it's like, what does every iteration bring? And like 10 years ago, I just left everything behind in Maryland and just, just walked out the door and didn't look back. And uh, <clears throat> it's not that I'm not, not going to look back. I'm going to look back, of course. 
but there's this. You're like, leaving on better terms this time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't hate my job. I don't hate where I live. <laughs> I don't. I'm not tired of. Yeah, but yeah. So it's it's interesting to see like those moments where you're you're kind of at the crossroads of like the complete unknown. And man, this is the, this compared to my last time, which I left everything behind. This is different because I'm giving a lot away. Because we can't take it. You can't. You can't. I'm going back to living out of a box, a suitcase. So it's like, what? But things things are things. I'm like, what is really important in all this? Not I'm just rambling. But that's, what, that's like what's on my mind. Like, what's important in all of this? What really matters? What's the answer? Mm, I'd say connections. There's There's something unique about... Man, I mean, even you know, twenty years ago, people I've connected with, you're like, wow, those 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 people made impacts on my life that I'll remember forever. You know, and you look back ten years ago, and you're like, man, those fun experiences we had at the place that we used to work, those were awesome. I mean, how many of us really thought we were gonna live in the Amazon jungle and just drink tons of ayahuasca with a bunch of random strangers <laughs> for for years on end? And you actually got to go back and see that and, like, experience our old home, our old lives. So there's something in that. There's something, like, really magical in those places and those connections that you make there, you know? So, yeah. How would you, uh, these 10 years in Peru, 10 years, wow. How would you summarize? Like, what? Because you've sold or given away all of your stuff. So what are you taking with you? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. I have two big books that I'm bringing that are going to follow me everywhere. Three big books. My first big book is book four by Aleister Crowley. It's this massive, like, I don't know, 2,500-page book. The second one is the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And the third one is the Book of Thoth. And then, other than that, it's just my journals from diets. Yeah. And that's that's it. And a bunch of clothes and crystals and, yeah, little knickknacks. But the main thing is, like, those books. And what are you taking with you that's not material? I, that's a hard question. I mean, other than connections like friends yeah family i mean this is family um i'd say a lot of memories i didn't think i would make a lot of magic i think the magic part is pretty cool um it's funny Saf and i've talked about this too we're like are we more cynical Hmm. Uh, leaving here <laughs> after having experienced the medicine world after 10 years and maybe not cynical in like a really dark way but realist oh lord uh, let me pause this it might be my scooter alright we are recording again Yeah.
immaterial things. I mean, nothing can bring back 10 years of your life. And I don't think there's many things that... Like, there's no amount of money in the world that could have given me the experiences I've had here. You know, so... I think having opportunities that a lot of people don't have is something that I'm reflecting on the most. Is like, man, how many of us are willing to go into the jungle and just die over and over again and spend time closely with the Shipibo and more and more people now, I guess. But the opportunity to do that is very different. The opportunity to leave here is very different. Not many people live in it. People come and go. Yeah, to, to it go can be as transient. deep as you've gone. Yeah. I mean, people are now going deeper for sure. So those are like very valuable, very real experiences. I think the other thing that's immaterial is jujitsu. Yeah, that came across. That came in on the path. It is the path, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's everything. Such a like I, I look back at my life, I'm like, what was life be- like before jujitsu? Do you know what life was like before that? No, <laughs> I was very different. Jujitsu changed me. And how how do you think the Felix that arrived in Peru ten years ago versus the one who's leaving? Uh, is he a different person? I don't even know if that Felix even exists anymore. He wasn't even named Felix. <laughs> he wasn't even named Felix, yeah. He was a very different being that arrived here. I think that naivete coming down here has died of, like, rainbows and unicorns. There ain't ain't no rainbows and unicorns in this uh, work. There, There can be. There's really beautiful moments of opening and watching people click and that's like there's nothing like that but a lot of it's pretty grimy pretty dirty Mm -hmm. lots of poop and vomit (laughs) maybe the rainbows and unicorns the idea of them was necessary to get you here yeah for sure i I wouldn't be here if i knew what it was gonna be i'd I'd probably turn around and ran i think that's the most important learning for anyone's to realize that, to realize reality and not their idea, their imagination of it. That's I, th- but that's what I think this medicine is trying to get us to all realize is like this ever-present, ever-changing roller coaster that we're all riding is pretty real. Yeah. You can't avoid this life. You can't avoid <laughs> like life will always be there. And you think you're more cynical? For sure. Uh, can you share how? Mm. I think that comes from like, you know, I remember this one maestro talking about working with people and they were kind of yelling at this group, this maestro in particular. And they're like, we're going to war for you every night. Like we're literally going to battle for you every night. And you guys are just, you're not helping us. <laughs> I'm like, what? You can't say that to a group of pasajeros, man. You can't. That's not okay. They're paying you, man. They're paying you. 
you're supposed to say, I'll take it with a smile, you know? So there's something to that because it's like, you know, when somebody comes through our door, it's like, I will do anything to try and help you. I will do anything. But I also want to see you help yourself, you know? And if you don't help yourself or if there isn't an element in there of you trying to do even 10%, this will be an up an uphill battle. Like we'll be fighting against you. And you can give people your all. You can give everything you have. And at the end of it, it can still mean nothing. You know? And to be okay with that. And that's the hard part, right? Because that's just where my identity is tied in with helping an individual. But... It's a harsh reality to face, I think. It's like, I'd be willing to do anything for you, you know? Nah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so your cynicism is around people not doing their part? I think the cynicism comes from exhaustion. Mm-hmm. I, I think it comes from exhaustion. I, I didn't realize, like, how tiring this work could be. Um, And I didn't realize, like, you know, being a psychic exterminator or a a bin man would be a a charge. (laughs) We got a lot of construction (laughs) going on out there. Sorry, guys. You might not hear it even on the mics, but a psychic garbage man. Well, think about it. When I sit in front of people, we're not we're not we're not sitting there seeing all their happy thoughts about their life. It's like we intentionally look for their negative thoughts about themselves. So those negative thoughts go all over you while you're working on them. And you've had it, I, I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. where you're you're trying to help somebody and they turn it on you like you're the devil. Mm-hmm. You're the you're the evil one. You're like, that's coming out of you, don't worry. <laughs> And you have to remind yourself too, right? It's not me and it's not you. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's energy. So that, I mean, I think just dealing with that over and over and over again and not taking a break. That's, yeah, I'm not cynical about the work. I'm more cynical about my approach to the work. Like I have to admit to the Western mind still having its peace in all of this and trying to like have a schedule that's consistent to some degree. Mm Mm-hmm. When the Shipibo don't even, they don't do that. They like take six months off, eight months, mm-hmm. you know, and then come back fresh after diets. And we're like, nah, nah, we gotta ceremony it up, you know. It's not, this is not depressing thoughts. These are, cynicism is more like realism. I should say realism. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think there's a difference. What you're sharing doesn't sound like cynicism, it's more like, through countless battles a realization and acceptance of reality as it is and your own humanness in it. Yeah. You, you, we can't negate that. We can't. I can't negate that my body gets tired. Yeah. Even if I, I think it doesn't. But I also think too, like, you know, I'll give a small example in a retreat that we had recently. Like, the room literally exploded with demons. Literally. Literally surrounded by demons. And creepy demons, like, 
demons from uh uh what's it called like tim burton kind of mm-hmm. style like creepy dark off tone colors dark colors sharp teeth and it was hours hours and hours and hours and i remember like sitting there and i stopped i'm like what is this doing to me <laughs> like in the middle of that you know like i'm surrounded by I'm I'm in hell right now. Like, what is this doing to my mentality? And I think the effect is just like trying to find a way to whistle Dixie through hell. And I'm like, wow, what a symbol of like how this work can be. Any kind of personal work. It can be a hellish experience mm-hmm. through your own shadowy nonsense. But how do I whistle Dixie through hell? What is that? I never heard that expression. I don't know what it means. I'm just like, you know. Some southern thing. How do, yeah, how do, I, how, do how do I be cheery through hell, basically? Right, right, right. Whistle Dixie. How do I find peace in this? And do you think that the, all those experiences have altered your view of the world at large? For sure. For sure. I think this... I think the experience of dieting in general, and I wish people knew this before they started dieting, will alter your view of reality drastically. And you won't be the same ever again. And and that's okay. But nobody tells us that before we start doing that. And It's like swallowing the red pill. Yeah, you swallow the red pill, you're going to see There's things. There's no going back. There's no going back. You're going to see things you never expected. You can be Cypher or you can be Neo. Right, who am I? <laughs> well, you, you're definitely not a cipher. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm I going mean, back you, to you <laughs> like a filet mignon. Well, you're, yeah, but you've already seen. But there has to be there has to be an element of the return too. Like you have to go back. Like, you know, I remember reading the hero's journey and seeing the circle and the the return home. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm skipping that piece. Like, I'm not going back home. I don't want to go back to Southern Maryland. I'm like, oh shit! I'm going back. <laughs> I'm going back, aren't I? I'm gonna have to. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I, I think right now I'm at a stage of just trying to understand, trying to unpack, like what this was. Yeah. I imagine that changing your physical location, getting distance, will allow that perspective, reflection, seeing it. With more of a bird's eye view, you know? At least for me, I think that helps to integrate such intense experiences and times is to change your spot. Do you think there's any... Like, you saw those demons in that ceremony. Like, does that ever end? Will there always be demons? I think there has to be. I think demons are like an essential structure to the universe. Or like bad spirits or whatever you want to call them. It's like we need soil. We need manure. We need it's just the underworld. It's nature. Yeah. Uh, I think it's how we relate to those things that that changes everything. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you see yourself clearly for the first time and at first you're like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, 
I needed all those parts of myself to be where I am now. You know, I can't hate myself. I have to accept myself before I can do anything forward. You gotta accept demons. They are real. I think they should be renamed so people don't associate it. Like, a, a new name that evokes that they're necessary. <laughs> Manure. Yeah, that's that's better. <laughs> Poop. Debris Island. Fecal matter. Yeah, Debris Island. Yeah, poop. Everybody poops. Everybody poops. Everybody knows what poop is. And so, Thailand. I have no idea. I'm going into such a place of unknown. No clue. I have no idea. I barely even know, like, North America (laughs) these days. I've been a cave troll for years, you know? Like, what is North America like? What's Canada like? I know. I barely know what Kalka's like. <laughs> right. He's down the road here. <laughs> In Thailand, the only... I've been... I love Thailand. Uh, you say, Sawadikap. It means thank you. Sawadikap. Sawadikap. Mm-hmm. And the women say, Sawadika. Without the P at the end. You say that to women or women say that? Women say that. Men say sawadikap. Cop. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that. Try it out when you get there. See what happens. <laughs> See if I get laughed at. <laughs> but like Al told me, you should know Al. Dude, I think you'll love, I mean, I think you'll love Thailand. It'll be a breath of fresh air, man. It's so different, obviously. Like culturally, Asia, Asia Southeast Asia is so different. But I appreciate the warmth of the, the genuine, sincere warmth of the people, the culture, the food, the hospitality, the beauty. I mean, those islands in Thailand, so I haven't been, didn't make it there, but I know they're beautiful, dude. So yeah, I'm really, I'm excited for you. I think it's perfect. And I commend you for taking the step because it's hard to put down 10 years of your life, five years in this house, everything you've been through. But sometimes the hardest part is just like making the decision and then starting to sell shit in the pack. Then the rest, and once you get past that point, yeah, it might be hard sometimes, but uh, it's it's so awesome. From there, hopefully it's just getting on planes and then I can ponder. Yeah, dude. You'll have plenty of airtime to ponder or in Thailand at the beach. Yeah. And who knows? You might not have much pondering to do. Just maybe, you know, you'll be in the moment and beautiful things will emerge and you'll be there. So You're right, though, about getting perspective. It's it's hard. It's hard because you're in it. You're surrounded by everything. Yeah. You're trying to get perspective about what's right in your face. Sometimes you got to pull back to get a view of it all. Do you feel you had that when you left too? Uh, yes, but yes, but not much because my wife was pregnant and we had a baby, so there was just so much going on. I definitely had moments of reminiscing or missing, but I, you know, I left under different circumstances, you know, it was partly pandemic driven. 
having a baby. I didn't, you know, we didn't choose the location Berlin because that's where we dreamed about living and wanted to be and check it out. No, it was more logistical. And so, yeah, it was a little bit different. I think that your situation is, there's more room for excitement (laughs) for what's ahead. I kind of left here uh, not really wanting to at the first time. Circumstances had to. And didn't think I'd be back. Didn't think we'd come back, but, you know, that's just how it, it all worked out. But, um, yeah, in your shoes, I'd be doing the exact same thing. Yeah, and I think you've chosen a cool spot to head to. It's funny because it's not like the f- we don't know our final destination. Yeah, it's open. Which right. is cool, yeah. Any other possibilities of the places you want to check out? Europe, for sure. Yeah. I want to go to Greece again. Greece is cool. Greece is a cool place. Go to the island of Crete. Nice. Or Mykonos. Um, Mexico is another place that feels really special. Feels connected. I, it's It's hard because it's like before... Like maybe a three months ago, we were like, yeah, we'll go here, here, and here. And then that's just even fallen away. And it's like, we don't, we don't know. Just we don't go. We're just going to go. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it, man. And what a, what a gift to go open-ended. The whole world is a possibility. I mean, it's pretty exciting. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. And you've got a partner to do it with. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, dude, I can't wait to hear about it live through you through your adventures <laughs> in thailand <laughs> or you'll just follow let's just let's all go yeah maybe so maybe in a few, yeah once uh once uma is a little older we could make all of Wardan turn into like the traveling circus <laughs> everyone just picks up and moves yeah we just we all have thailand. like temporary homes but also like long-term homes yeah man we set up shop in a new location jiu-jitsu's <laughs> there we're all there what a chapter. I was remembering when we first met at the retreat center. I was in my first retreat there in you know, in the Amazon here. And you were volunteering and you came over and sat on the bench. And we just chatted. I don't even know what we chatted about, but the rest is history. We, we had were a just cracking jokes. We just cracking jokes. Yeah. We had a podcast. We sat in so many ceremonies. You trained me on the door of the <laughs> ceremonies. It was so many good times. Probably a good two months sitting next to you on that door every night. Oh, yeah. A good, like, 20 ceremonies, 21 ceremonies. 21 ceremonies, yeah. And that was the best. That was probably so, was so much fun because when you're facilitating ceremonies, you're kind of, there's other facilitators, but you're not really sitting next to each other. You're kind of keeping an eye on the ceremony. It's pretty quiet. But we were just next to each other, man, just like watching, chatting a little bit, smoking the pachos, drinking our little dose, <laughs> watching everything, watching all the people get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it is a unique spot, that chair yeah. by the door. Yeah, dude. Or it was. We had two chairs. Yeah. The chairs by the door. Chairs but with our, with the, we keep the purge bucket under the chair for the mapacho ashes. Fill it with water. Yeah. I still have that habit to this day. I fill all my bowls with water. Yeah. 
I do too, actually. So they don't melt. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, and we started recording this 2020 summer. Yep. Well, winter here, but technically June, July, in the midst of all the madness. Up in that bedroom right there. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Yep. We only did one up there, then we moved it out here. We didn't even have a name, really. No. We were, we were going to call it Rabbit Holes, I think. Or yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. <laughs> or Wormholes or something. And we kept it going when I was in Berlin. We'll keep it going. So everybody stay tuned, you know. I don't know when the next one will be. We'll see where, how it all lands. But I think it's, I think it's cool to do it from different locations, too. Bring some different perspectives of the world. Get out of my debris island. See another place. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because it's like, you know, I think all our medicine work here, like we're trying to dissolve these narratives of ourselves and the world around us. And then we build a whole new one without even, we don't even know we did it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I think it's kind of inevitable, right? I mean... I guess for me the hope is that I build a better narrative. <laughs> mm-hmm. One that's more that feels healthier and makes me feel happier about myself and my life. I mean, is no narrative possible? I, I absolutely think it is. Yeah. I absolutely think it is. I need to read your book still. <laughs> the first book is just looking like figuring out you're on an island <laughs> that you made. Sorry. <coughs> this island of ideas and limitations and then you jump off it and then you get back on it and jump off it get back on it's interesting you wrote this book around this time of transition that's wild was it connected i think so yeah i think i think everything's connected i mean i think it was just man it just poured out when you wrote the book had you already decided to leave no but by the time you finished it, you had. Yes. The book was a big part of. It was huge. Of, yeah. Yeah. Writing that book was very challenging because it just started destroying my life little by little. No kidding. Yeah. Literally dissolving as I was writing it. The narrative was dissolving. And I'm like, this is kind of freaky. <laughs> I, gotta like, I, gotta, I don't know if I want to write anymore. <laughs> like. So what do you mean by that? Well, like chapter one is rediscovery. And so while you're, I think while you're teaching something or you learn more about something while you're teaching it. And so like, I wasn't telling other people, but I was telling myself. And so like the whole time I'm like rediscovering my life and where I've built up my own limitations. And as soon as I started to see them, I mean, that's when the next piece comes in, the next chapter. But it was just like they started to crumble. Like reality itself shifted drastically. Write a book. So you, this book, you were you were writing it for yourself at first. For sure. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't. You were patient zero. Of I this was book. patient. Yeah, I'm going to see if it works. It works. And it's funny because like as I was writing, it wasn't just happening to me. It was happening to Safa as well. Her life was starting to crumble. She was starting to see, because I'm talking about it all the time. Debris Island, rediscovery, clarity, ruthless clarity. 
And it's just like, oh. Yeah, writing a book is, there's definitely so much magic in words. Beyond words. Yeah. It takes some balls to face yourself like that. Where do you think the book came from? You said it was coming through you, like. I I don't even know. Plants from the jungle, I wonder. That's what I often think. I I feel like certain trees definitely spoke, spoke in that book. But again, it it's funny because it's it's an introduction, like it's a very basic understanding of what this medicine I feel is trying to show us. So I feel like some people read it and they're like, "Yeah, but this is kind of like what you know standard psychology from the '60s was talking about." I'm like, "Yeah, but that's this is just another angle on it." Plants, man. I don't know. They know. Have you started writing the next one? Yep. Yeah, I'm like 12,000 words in, so not many. And is that evoking something within you? That This next book is A Momentous Life, which is like getting off the island even more and learning to swim. And that's like, it's kind of what's happening now. And I've paused writing the book because our life has become very, very busy, but... Learning to swim is learning to let go. And whatever that means, it's wild. It's weird. It's it's weird. Your life is reflecting your book. Write a book. I'm telling you, write a book. It's coming. About anything. Anything. And see what happens. Especially somebody with so much medicine as you. Like, write a book and see what happens. Like, it'll shift your life drastically. Because you're dieting what you're writing. I mean, basically. For sure. And you're like you're even more of a creator because you have like 10 million plants behind you, Mm. you know, putting into your words, like you're going to create something vastly different. Like, why would you be given so much magic and power that comes with that magic and not share it and not share it or create with it or Mm. paint? I don't know. Do something. Yeah. Like that's the purpose of this. And if we don't do something, it makes us ill. Or if we do the wrong thing, it makes us ill. Yeah. It goes counter to us. So you gotta do it, man. Just try it. Yeah. Write a write a short story. Once upon a time, Al went down the street and he found a million dollars. <laughs> Ooh, I like this. <laughs> right. In a duffel bag. It's true. Because maestros always say, like, that's what singing is too. Like, when you die, you gotta sing. But that's just another way of saying you have to express. You have to let these plants flow through you. You can't just let them stagnate inside I feel like I get that somehow that's flowing now just through fathering my my daughter like it somehow that need is met like it's it's all those diets and plants are flowing out of me through that practice right because before she was born like for a lot of time I was miserable <laughs> like you know, I was just often depressed and feeling just, uh, yeah, existential despair. And I think that was part of it. It was, I had the highs from dieting when I was dieting, but then once I had them all and I wasn't, or if I served medicine, that also really, obviously, made me I feel better. Oh, surprise. Uh, but uh, but when, it, when it stagnated and I wasn't giving or sharing or, 
creating, then yeah, it was just just slowly dying inside. So having that kind of, you know, whether it's writing a book, doing this podcast, opening ceremonies, learning also like, or jujitsu expressing through that, you know, we just have to do, (laughs) do create. Yeah. But I think that's why it's the strongest force in the universe is the creative force. That's why everybody wants to have sex. That's what made us, man. I mean, that's what not just sex made us, but also the creative force of the universe is what, what, why we're here. And every plant and animal, it is the strongest force. And I guess dieting removes the barriers from us experiencing it. But then if we don't let it flow, it builds up and we it explodes in us and we die. <laughs> I had a lot of ceremonies for a while. I had a series of ceremonies around about uh, famous, like, s- like stars, like famous people, actors, musicians who died young. Marilyn Monroe is in this a lot. Elvis. And it was, I was shown that like, they're basically they exploded that's how they died they were they received so much energy from people adoring them some people hating them but nonetheless just the energy like if they get on stage and there's 10,000 people cheering like there's just so much and they never were taught or trained on how to discharge that energy how to let it flow and if they didn't have that capability if they didn't have some natural gift for dealing with it it just built up in them and eventually they're numbing with drugs and eventually they die. They like literally they're a star that explodes, right? There's just too much. And and I think that was the whole point of that series of ceremonies was showing me you have to like learn how to keep things flowing. You have to learn how to discharge firstly in in one way and also just let the energy flow through you. Don't just take it and not do anything with it. It was very profound. Imagine if Elvis like had done a bunch of diets first, <laughs> like had training, you know, <laughs> he'd still be rocking. Elvis never died. <laughs> they they took him in a UFO. He's hanging out with Tupac. Yeah, in Cuba. <laughs> in Cuba, dude. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think of it. I mean, we. It's funny. Soft and I were talking about this recently. It's just the amount of energy that is channeled through your system when you hold ceremonies. Yeah. And you feel it because you can feel it. You, you start shaking. You can hear the vibrato in your voice when you're singing. You can feel this like immense. Yeah. You're charged. You're charged. You're so charged. But then there is the physical element of like, like what does that do to your nervous system when you're like <laughs> yeah. cranking the voltage up to 100,000 and trying to, yeah. How do I channel that properly without blowing up? Right. Yeah. Do you think there's a way? For sure. Creative, creative endeavors. More space and time. More space and time. Yeah. We have to slow down. Even though there's more energy in the system, like you have to slow down. I remember uh, Edgar Casey talked about this phenomenon in the future that we're all experiencing, and actually Terrence McKenna did as well. He said, uh, "Time is going to accelerate." Time is accelerating now, and you can feel it every oh, single fuck. day. Yeah, you where can. a day's like gone. I look, look at the clock, man. The second hand goes faster than it used to. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I'd look at that thing, and it was like tick, 
tick, <laughs> tick, and now it's tick, tick, tick. It's crazy. Time is changing. And his only advice in all of that, actually, and there was this, uh, a Hopi elder that was talking about it. He said the only advice for this is as time accelerates, you have to go slower. And it's such a hard thing to do. That's like jujitsu, man. You yeah. dictate the pace of time. Exactly. We have to slow it down. Especially when you have somebody crazy on top of you. You're like, man, slow down. So how do you do that? Slow down your own self, your actions? Be more present? But the, the trap, I think, is that just in what we're telling ourselves we like needs to be done. Like, as we're getting busier, the time, like, a day is nothing. As we're, like, packing things up and cleaning. And, like, and the day's over. The day's over. Like, it's already, man, I just saw you, like. I know, at breakfast. Ten minutes ago. <laughs> It no, feels like sun's upsetting. <laughs> so it's like, how do we consciously bring more present awareness into slowing down? Like we have to like actually capture these moments more instead of being lost looking at the next thing. And then that's just that's the nature of the training of the Western world is we always got to go to the next thing. What's the next thing? What's Everything next we're thing? doing now is for the next thing. For sure, saving money to go on that big trip. 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the next thing happens and it goes by too fast. <laughs> yeah, you miss it because you want to go to the next thing after that. Or you miss it because you're dreading that it's going to end. True. So all these traps, It's it's been weird. I think in this time of moving and looking back so far in time, looking back 10 years and being like, whoa. That was like a blink of an eye. And yet so many lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And like how do I be present as I'm leaving here and like really absorb as much as possible these precious, precious jewels of moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Like we're never going to do this again like this mm-hmm. in this very moment. Mm-hmm. This is such a unique iteration of this yeah. snowflake in time. How do we absorb it more, you know? How do we savor it? It's, it's, yeah, that's the, it's the, it's the pain of life in a way. The un- inevitable pain is the passing of time. Like I see it with my daughter, you know, she's, I just want to capture every moment and then mm. I keep blinking my eyes and she's bigger and older. And Do you think time is accelerating as a broad rule like it just is accelerating or is it that as we get older we experience time going faster like did people 100 years ago experience time at, at our age experience time going this quickly or is time in the universe actually accelerating because it seems like the older i get the faster it goes too because it's like if you're if you if you've been alive one year then one year is your whole life and so one day is a lot one month is one twelfth of your whole life so it's a lot of time in comparison to what you've lived. But I've been around 43 years, so one month is just like a little snippet. Right? A little clip, so, yeah. So time is shorter and shorter as a proportion of all the time I've experienced, you know? But then, you know, regardless of whether it's speeding up or slowing down or, like, its measurement is changing, like, how are we experiencing it and why are we experiencing it? Like, why do we die? I know this is like weird. It's a tangent. It's just what's yeah, on man. my mind. We ha- it ends 
to some degree. And I get the feeling that when we die, the whole thing is like a blink of an eye, the whole life, you know? You look at the last 10 years, but when we get to that point, if there's an awareness after death, then our lifetime was nothing. It was just a blink of an eye, and maybe it's on to the next one. Or if there's an awareness at the moment of death, it's just like, you know, people say everything flashes before your eyes, you know, and those near-death experiences. For everything, your whole life to flash before your eyes, it's got to be pretty quick. <laughs> but also really slow, right? If it's your whole life reflecting back, wouldn't right. it be like a Time super has to slow down. Yeah. Well, they, and they, people say time slows down in those moments, like they're in a car crash or something. Everything slows down. A fraction of a second becomes an eternity. I think time is malleable, it seems. It, it can accelerate and slow down. So who's who's manipulating it? And that's... I think that's where, when we're in these moments of transition or in these moments of leaving long-time homes or whatever it is and capturing every moment, you start to see, like, man, if I really focus, this could feel like an eternity. Like, we could spend... We would probably have been here for 10,000 years now. Who knows? See, this is this is ayahuasca... After 10 years, <laughs> it's like making your mind bend weird. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, what is, who's manipulating time? And is there really even such a thing? Because I don't. Well, it doesn't technically exist, right? Time is just, it's a memory of the past or a, a, a projection of the future, which is based on the past. If there's only the present moment, then time being manipulated is simply how our mind perceives past and future, which don't exist. Because the present moment, there's no, it's not in time. So there's no such thing as time. Holy shit. It took us 40 episodes. <laughs> or however many. <laughs> People are like, wait, what is happening in this tangent? <laughs> We've been how long have I been listening to this podcast? But it's true though, right? Like, why does time feel so weird if it doesn't even exist? Because it's a reflection. It's like some kind of membrane that exists around us to some degree. Like there's a there's a future membrane and a past membrane. And we go into those places and we're like, whoa, time has passed. Look, I was this age. And then there's the future membrane of like, oh, I'm going to Thailand. But there, there's no difference. I'll be there when I'm there. Present me will be present then. It won't be a different time. Right. Sure, there's going to be a passage of time, but that's only in the present. Time is weird. It's a weird one. And how in ceremonies, time gets all warped. Ooh, super warped. You know, ceremonies where... I had a whole life experience and it hasn't even really started. Like, like no one started singing yet. When yeah. I started singing, I'm like, well, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> We're just starting? <laughs> or if you're holding ceremony, you know, I've held ceremonies with other medicine where I lose time too and I'm like, shit, <laughs> maybe I should start doing something. <laughs> I don't know how long we've been sitting here. <laughs> so time brings us comfort, right? Like a passage of time brings us some kind of comfort. It brings semblance of reality. Yeah. It's like normalcy. It's something to hold on to. Yeah. Holding on to time, keeping the time. Yeah, it, it 
it's a, it's a reference point because, you know, in a true present moment, there's no meaning in anything. <laughs> it's, it's just, it just is. <laughs> and perhaps we're, for the most part, not evolved enough to just be able to handle that. <laughs> we need the passive we're time. We're meaning makers. We're, yeah. we're mean, meaning making machines, man. <laughs> <laughs> we need, time is like the, time is the, the structure that holds the book of meaning together for us. You know, it's like, imagine living without time, without any past or present. It would also be hard to function in this society, which requires like remembering what happened, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, all the, all the like procedures, getting a visa, buying a flight. You have to do all these things in advance. If you don't have an awareness of time and you're just present and you can't just walk to the plane. <laughs> so society's built around future tense and past tense. Yeah, exactly. Society is a structure that collapses in presence, in the present moment. It's a structure of time. Have you ever read the Wr A Wrinkle in Time? That book has withstood the test of time. It has. The Tesseract. Have I read that? You've recommended it to me. Did I read it? Did I read it? Remind me about it? Um, basically, it's these kids that their parents uh, like as works in a secret scientific organization that's working on a Tesseract. And a Tesseract is like a wrinkle in time. It's like this shifting place in time. And... Uh, there's this place where there's this massive mind that controls all mind. It brings normalcy to things. So everybody bounces a ball at the same time. It makes everybody one thing. It's very interesting. Inter uh, it's even more pertinent nowadays. There's also another book. It's called uh, Time Tripper. And one of my high school teachers gave it to me my freshman year. And she said she got it at some book fair. And she looks at me and she goes, I think you would like this. And I read this book and I was really cool like there was this place outside of time that you could see all events happening at once and it's like this is what certain buddhist meditators can you know talk about very elevated states of consciousness being able to step outside of time to see all events happening as one and it's it's in some kid's book called time tripper huh and it's basically these two kids trying to stop a kid from killing himself wow yeah so time um, <laughs> yeah, Wrinkle in Time is definitely a recommended book, and I'm sure a lot of people, if you like our podcast, you should read. I should read that book. A Wrinkle in Time. If you like our podcast, you should read a time. And trooper. Momentous Method. And the, <laughs> and the Momentous Method. A Guide to Limitless Potential. Brilliant. But that's where, you know, this is what I think the dissolution of narratives does, is it brings us more into the present moment which allows us more possibilities of creation. If we dissolve constantly this narration of what needs to happen next or this narration of what I am based on who I was, we won't, we were not going to shift into something new. We're predictable. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be predictable. I want to be some kind of anomaly. <laughs> and, and I want to be a wrinkle. I want to be a tesseract. 
I've been thinking a lot about, because it's hard to avoid the news, but how I have this experience here. It's pretty quiet. And my concerns day to day. And then on the other side of the world, there's like this war going on. There's a couple wars. It's crazy how much variance can be happening on this planet at the same time. What does time feel like when you're getting bombed? That's probably another huge time dilation. For sure. I can't imagine. It's probably very slow. Like it just won't end. Yeah, it's pretty... Uh, I, I have to like kind of force myself to feel that, that that's happening. Because I'm not really on social media, you know, it's really the big topic on social media, apparently. What's happening in Gaza and Israel and... But I feel, you know, I feel like I should kind of feel it <laughs> to an extent because it's, it's it's human beings, you know, doing terrible things and suffering and children. But, um, but yeah, it's hard for me to really feel it, <laughs> admittedly. Sometimes I feel, am I, is that bad? <laughs> I don't, I, and I see people that are really feeling it and they're on social media, you know, and they're just like watching videos and people reporting about it and people having opinions about it. Well, it's like they're putting themselves there over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think some some people are necessary to do that. Like maybe they're the ones that need to voice this, that this is happening to maybe bring resolve to it or because if no one, if everyone turns their back to it and just doesn't talk about it, then maybe there's no pressure or incentive for people to calm down, <laughs> stop killing. But yeah, it feels very distant to me. And like, I can't, I feel like I there's not much I can do about it. I can talk about it, but it's even hard for me to have an opinion about it <laughs> other than it sucks that people are dying and children are dying. But I don't know what to trust when I hear about it. Like, who's reporting truth? Not. I don't trust anything I'm hearing. <laughs> if I don't see it myself, I don't know what to trust anymore. But it's pretty clear there's some atrocious things happening, so... Uh, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> it just came to my mind now, so. It's the two forces at the end of time facing each other, the creative force and the destructive force. Mm. And I think, I think we need to witness how terrible human beings can be to hopefully want to change. Because I don't think if we understand the consequences of our actions, we'll never change. If I'm a dick to everybody and nobody tells me I'm a dick, I'll never know. <laughs> I'll never change. Mm -hmm. I'll just continue being me. And maybe I already am. Who knows? But I don't think so, man. We have to see the consequences of anger at its extremes and hatred as it, as it to be able to see it in ourselves and to bring to the light. It's yeah, I mean, part of the reason it's hard for me to have an opinion is it feels like it's it's n it's 
necessary in terms of this was everything that's happening is destined to happen in this way and everything happens for a reason and leads one thing leads to another I don't know it's easy for me to say that I'm not getting bombed you know but lately yeah with everything happening in the world I just kind of observe and just accept that this is what's supposed to happen right now I don't know because it'll bring about something else and it comes from something before it it was like inevitable chain reaction that's a very elevated view of reality sir yeah <laughs> well it's I, it is it's not I don't think it's a view that people can embrace unless they've had perspectives like you've had yeah I mean sometimes I it's a question if it's about free will too you know but I just sometimes I question like do we have any say about anything that ever happens I mean because everything is a result of everything that already happens where's the choice and then when I make a choice am I actually making a choice or am I making the only choice that I can make in that moment even though I tell myself I'm making <laughs> that choice well, now they have algorithms to to uncover people's actions, their next actions. AIs that calculate what your next move will be. Well, that would be evidence that there is no free will. But then there's always anomalies, man. Anomalies exist, yeah, even yeah. in mathematics. Maybe that's our mission here is to find our free will, is to break the chain of the chain reaction. <laughs> oh shit say that again I mean it, it kind of is right our purpose in terms of our if life is a school what are we being taught and we're maybe we're taught to break the chains of reaction and actually create our free will actually find free will because free will doesn't exist until we wake up to it Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the whole point of, you know, a lot of this work with plant medicines, at least for me, was been to what I perceive to be break my own patterns, right? So uh, a series of cycles and loops in my life and automatic responses that lead me down the same path over and over again in terms of relationships and my f sense of self-worth and how I feel about myself. And, and you know, I would make decisions but i would always end up back in the same place and i think that the past my past 10 years in peru have broken that like i don't know anymore where it's going because a lot of those old patterns are gone i'm sure there's still some you know operating but uh but maybe that's what the world needs to go through in some way is like i guess that's what waking up is right it's just realizing that you're you've been on autopilot and the world's on autopilot with the wars over and over again against about the same shit doing the same shit just when we think we're done with them there's more wars you know it's just the same cycles people making the same choices from whether it's greed or hatred or power but there it's it's not conscious it's not awake decision making It's like the question of like if you had any question for God or the universe or the the most intelligent intelligence in 
all of existence, what would that be? And I think most of us would be like, why am I here? <laughs> what am I doing here? What am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what would I, that's a, what would I ask? One question. Is this a dream? Yes. God's like, it was all a dream. You used to read Word Up Magazine. <laughs> Biggie was actually God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wild reality. <laughs> Makes me think of the South Park episode. The Ten Crack Commandments, dude. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he was God. Ten Crack Commandments. Never get a high off your own, so that's the only one. Oh, that's the only one I remember, I think. And credit. Don't, don't do credit. Forget it. Credit, forget it. But what were you saying about South Park? They're, they uh, invoked or evoked Biggie Smalls. They made Butters go into a bathroom and say Biggie Smalls three times in a mirror with the lights out. <laughs> and he came and back. And he came back to life. Ah. <laughs> Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. <laughs> Whoa. Is he here? You guys can't see it, but he's, he's sitting, here. He's sitting right here. He's opted not to speak today. Yeah. He's choosing the fifth. <laughs> Man. I like what the... Maybe the purpose here is to find out or to create free will. Y- yeah, to remember. To remember, will. yeah. I mean, if... You know, I believe, I feel that we're simply extensions of the creative force of the universe or God... God is creation, and we're experiencing that creation, and yet we have an a, an element of that creative consciousness, that all-powerful consciousness of creation. It's in us. It's pretty much dormant for most of us all the time. But maybe that yearning that many people have to, uh, to go on a spiritual journey or a path of healing or discovery, whether it's with plant medicine, psychedelics, pilgrimages, whatever it is, it, it's it's just that little element of the ultimate creative force of the universe, like saying, hey man, this is what it's about, like, find this, find me, help me open up, like, it's like remembering that that's what we are, that we're just infinite creation. My most potent psychedelic experiences started with the words remember. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you what I remembered? No. But there was probably the most profound experiences in my life. Mm -hmm. We talked about this before, but I feel like humanity is suffering from a major amnesia. Like something, there was a trauma in humanity's history that created amnesia. A species with amnesia. Yeah. By Graham Hancock. Yes. Graham Hancock. He wrote a book called Species with Amnesia. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm, I, it just makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense because we're missing such a large portion of our knowledge. Totally. And what is it that we're missing? As a species, we're walking around like a like a traumatized person. Like, as a species, in terms of, you know, have you ever seen a severely traumatized person, whether they just 
they've just experienced something traumatic they're just like locked in right they're they're not aware of what's around them they're just they're they're just so in so shocked by the experience it like knocked you know like in Shipibo if you you know it knocked away their soul their spirit and it's gone or to me it's you know it's also like they've just been so shocked that they've gone inwards and they're forgotten and are unable to perceive everything around them and as a species it seems like that's what humanity is right now it's just like we're just completely absent to the glorious <laughs> nature of reality and we're just like locked in doing the same stupid shit over and over again um, caught up and obsessed with things that don't really matter like like it really is true like there's some kind of amnesia or like it seems like a, a species-wide trauma that manifests in different ways and we're like trying to f some of us are trying to find our way out of that to let that go, to like wake up to what's actually around us. And who knows, like if that's true, like what was that? Was it like some kind of cataclysm? I think that's more Graham Hancock's theory is the cataclysmic yeah. event in time. The younger Dryas theory. But what if it was like purposeful? Like mm -hmm. something happened so horrific. There's a really weird thing in the human psyche like these really core fears that humans have and one of them is a humanoid figure that is devoid of spirit like a zombie mm -hmm. or a robot mm -hmm. there's a core wound in the the psyche of a human being of something mm -hmm. devoid of humanness so like what was that event that created that and was it intentional as a way to you know get control over humans or to like let us let that go so we can try again maybe like, like a, a reset. factory reset so Did somebody kick the plug out of the computer <laughs> to see what happens yeah <laughs> this will be funny let's make them forget everything <laughs> let's make them forget who they are and how powerful and glorious they are and let them try to see if they can figure their way out of this one this will be fun <laughs> the labyrinth maybe it's our higher selves that actually did that like we we're in a game right where we send our consciousness through this adventure where the conscious experience is forgetting what it is and how great it is and it the game is you have to <laughs> like find your way back to what you actually are hide and go seek or and, something and the problem with this game is there's no limit on lives. You have to just, you keep dying. And <laughs> you die a million <laughs> times until you win the game. And we're just like playing this game, dude. It's, just, it's a simulation. But how many times have we been here in this moment? Yeah, so sometimes I think about that. Like, so we've had many lives. What if our many lives are the exact same? It's the same life over and over. And it's not until in that life we realize our free will that it takes a turn and we don't have to play that life anymore. But until then, we're actually on autopilot without realizing it, so we keep repeating it. <laughs> you know, because you have deja vu, right? What is deja vu? Maybe. <laughs> it's because we've done it a million times that exact same moment. <laughs> the glitch in the system. Yeah. Or maybe many lives are, you know, the other, like the Hindu theory is like, 
many different lives where you're different people in different places at different times. Just different forms of consciousness. But regardless, the whole view on reincarnation is that you keep coming back until you learn the quote-unquote lesson, you know, until you graduate, until you awaken, until you... And it seems pretty true to me, you know, whether it's the same life over or different lives, like we're, we're, we're here to... We're here to figure it out. And everyone's on a different pace or different path. But I think that's why we incarnate here, you know? It's a school. It is a school, for sure. I mean, I just think of what Sui would say to me all the time. He's like, it's like, eso mundo is infinito. This world is infinite. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but what does that really mean? what does that mean? Like, what does it mean if it's infinite? And that goes to the theory of, like, we we have been here before. We have done this before. Or we're doing this again. Something again. If it's infinite, there's so many possibilities. But there's just an infinite variety of it, right? Like, we've been here. We've done how many podcasts in this same spot? Yeah, around 40, I think. And each of them are vastly different snowflakes, even though we kind of end up in similar areas of <laughs> unknown reality. The ultimate question. Yeah. What is this life? Why are we here? I can't take it anymore. Yeah, it's funny. My teacher also, the thing that always sticks with me, he said it once. Todo es mental. <laughs> he said it like that. Everything is mental. Everything is mind. And I sat, I've sat with that ever since, you know. The way I interpret that is just like where my whole experience is projected from my mind. And for him, my teacher, like the diets and the plants, they're for the mind. They're to, as I think you <laughs> agree with based on what you write. But you're basically, we're trying to clean the projector. <laughs> the thing that's making everything. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's still projected. Right? It's skewed and it's traumatized and it's hiding and seeking. Yeah, so the human mind is traumatized. (laughs) Immensely. Immensely. Whether it's an obvious trauma of this lifetime, but I'm just talking on a broader scale, the human mind is traumatized. And I think once humanity accepts that, things will start to change. It's like accepting who you are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and once they accept they've been acting from that, once we accept we've been acting from that. But it really seems to be the case, like, because I always had the sense, you know, before I came to Peru, when I was really suffering, I always had the sense of, like, this is not what it's supposed to be. Mm. <laughs> this is what, That's what drove me here, right? That's what drove me to leave my life and mm. try the, it's, it's just, like, this underlying uneasiness with how things are, and it just felt like this is not, how it's supposed to be. There's more to life than this, mm. than this routine, the, the job and the suffering and the, and I would say that to people and they, friends even, you know, friends I had, and they're like, what more is there? This is it. Like, like no, like, <laughs> you don't understand. There's, m- I, I just have the sense that we're not l- living to our fullest potential of what we can experience and be. And it was driving me uh, deeply, making me deeply unhappy and depressed. <laughs> and I don't have that experience now so much, thanks to the plants. 
I think thanks to life and just learning and lessons, you know, I still feel like there's certainly more to life or more to my experience of it, but I'm going at my own pace. At least I feel like there's progress <laughs> in terms of my awareness and how I can handle myself and what's happening and my outlook and living a reverse origami origami existence. I think that's what psychedelics starts Ooh. to do. It's the reverse origami. To of get like the paper just flat. Yeah. Or like, what? How did it get here? How did it form this, Felix? <laughs> reverse origami. Reverse origami. Untangling ourselves from the webs of lies. Yeah, or just like a knot that's just so hard to undo. Hmm. That's why I think the Tao Te Ching, the Tao Te Ching is one of the most profound texts I've ever read. That's another one of the books that I'm bringing home is the Tao Te Ching because it touches on the the flattened paper without trying to touch the flattened paper. Yeah, yeah, it's so, uh, I love the Tao Te Ching. It's so brilliant, partly because it's so elusive, like I can never quite, because <laughs> there's nothing to capture. But I want to capture it as I read it. But the book's showing you there's nothing <laughs> to capture. But my mind's like, I, I think I see them. I, th I, I think I see it. No, it's there's wait. <laughs> wait. You're telling me there's nothing? Yeah. Shit. A good, uh, a good uh, Tao Te Ching text. Well, it's kind of an interpretation, but it's by Osho, hmm. who I was never into except for this book. This book was quite confronting but in the right space it's quite profound it's called the empty boat and the empty boat is uh, Osho's words expressing I guess what Osho perceives as the Tao Te Ching and I was reading it while having ceremony and stuff and I had to put it down sometimes because it was like fuck, it was like breaking me <laughs> um but it was a very understandable, like he made it easy to understand, but also really hard to take. <laughs> Empty Boat by Osho. Uh, that's what I felt with The Course in Miracles. I don't know if you ever read oh, that. Oh, man, dude. I read, I didn't read the whole Course in Miracles. I read like a a summary interpretation of the... The Made Easy one? No. Oh, there's one that's Made Easy, they say. Oh, yeah. No, I read one called Disappearance of the Universe. Whoa. And uh, I read it in a diet, dude. Oh my God. And I was, my mind was blown so much. There was a point I was reading it in the diet. It was at night. I was reading it by candlelight in the jungle outside the Quitos. And I started to freak out, dude. <laughs> I started, like my mind couldn't take, couldn't take it because the whole point of that is it's really nailing it in that um, nothing is real. <laughs> And it was talking about how this universe, this existence, this reality that we experience is we're really experiencing a thought. It's the thought of separation that emerged from consciousness as just a thought. But the thought, the thought forgot that it thought that, and so it became separate. But it's an illusion. It's not really separate. And we're experiencing that thought having forgotten that it's just a thought. <laughs> 
and but ultimately it's inevitably it's already happened in some way because time is not real the, the thought returns to oneness and remembers and like the whole bible a lot of the stories like about the prodigal son i think it's the prodigal son like where god is like he can always come home that's that's about this thought that came out of that consciousness and we're just the thought <laughs> but it blew my mind because i was like it, it kept going about how nothing is real and my mind was like oh my god like i <laughs> it's enough to drink medicine but to like work on that kind of a idea with medicine yeah it broke something in me for sure in a good way long run once i could integrate it it definitely brings more levity to your experience to my experience of life like the slight remembrance that it's not real it doesn't mean don't care some people are like oh that means you can just do whatever you want and not give a shit and whatever. no <laughs> but it it does make it less doesn't like when shit happens it's not that bad because it's not real <laughs> less like us and them yeah it's more like it's just me which is nothing yeah yeah that was also what was kind of freaking me out that it's just me like you're me there's nothing else here i'm you but you're me and it's all in my mind it's just a thought of separation <laughs> that we are individually going through collectively and we're all alone in it yet we're all together but it's just the same thing we're all the same thing thinking experiencing this thought of separation let me put it in per into perspective for our listeners why we're really cautious like especially with dieters that we have why they're super cautious in saying reading something mm -hmm. in a particular diet i decided to read ender's game Ooh. and it's Orson a Scott it's a great book it's an incredible book it is a good book i read that one but it's a psychological book too mm -hmm. And during the diet, I started to think I was Ender mm -hmm. while dieting. And I'm like, I, I had to set the book down because mm -hmm. it was freaking me out. Mm -hmm. you, Basically, mm -hmm. it's like you're in a dream and then you realize you're dreaming and then you're making the dream happen in front of you. So be really careful with what you read on yeah, diet. Yeah, because <laughs> the mind is so open. I mean, basically, when you're dieting, you're cleaning out all this debris. <laughs> so the mind is like searching for something to latch onto and absorb and if it's some kind of something like that maybe the mind isn't ready <laughs> you know I, yeah i've had again well some of the books i've chosen to read very skillfully in diets were game changers for me you know but it's just like it's a time and a place you know and you have to know and if it doesn't feel right you put it down for sure or you don't read at all and just come to realizations through your present moment experience. You don't need someone else to tell you what it is. It's the most profound way to do it, but it's yeah. also the slowest and most yeah. boring way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's super boring. Just once in a while, the perfect book hit, book hit my diet, man. Oh, for sure. You know, and it's just, but when in doubt, just don't read. Just be and suffer uh, <laughs> with your own thoughts until you realize they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, they're, they're all that is. <laughs> <laughs> Your thoughts are not real, but they're all that they're is. all that is for you right now. <laughs> yeah, that's why we all, the only book I ever brought to diet and continue to bring, other than The Name of the Wind, is the Tao Te Ching. Yeah, that's that's good. It was enough. It was plenty of digestible yeah. brain material. I once read uh autobiography of a yogi, 
and a diet para mahamza yogananda that was cool but it was more like it kind of took me it, it was distracting because it was a story you know about his life but there were some deep deep teachings within it you know but yeah be mindful about for sure what, i've read some bad books and diets too I read Harry Potter and Diet, and that was a terrible idea. Ooh, it's yeah. dark, man. It was dark. It was darker than I thought it would be. It was creepy. Yeah. Don't do that. One of my earlier diets, I was struggling so much, dude. Every diet, I kept my phone off except for this one. And I was like, okay, just one, one game. And I played this baseball game. And then I couldn't put it down for the whole diet. Like, it just caught me, dude. I couldn't stop playing. And the diet ended, and I was like, fuck. I just, like, wasted this plant. It felt like I just waste, you know. My teacher was like, hey, well, it's, you know, the plant's still with you, you know. Probably didn't get much out of it. Now it's a baseball me. game plant. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't stop, dude. I, because the diet was bringing up, I think, some really hard stuff, and I just was like, no, not. I'm going to play baseball. <laughs> I did that with Bejeweled. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And I did it right before a ceremony on diet. You just seen fucking jewels everywhere. But they were like ultra 4D jewels that wouldn't leave my brain. Yeah. And I was freaking me out. The plants have really shown me like what I put into my brain in terms of like media or games. It leaves an imprint, dude. And it, it's still now without plants, without if even now when I'm not drinking plants, if I watch something, you know, before bed, I'll lay down and I can just watch it in my mind's eye, the thing, like it's playing still. It's just playing on repeat in my mind. Like it can't, it won't go away until for hours. It just everything we watch like really ingrains itself in there. So I have to be very careful now. It's weird how we become numb to that as a Western yeah. society. We just put anything and everything into our brain. Because it's just a bunch of debris. It just all blends together. It's but once dirty. it starts to clear out, then you really see it. You see every misplaced sock and yeah. smelly garbage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've got to get going, man. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. <sighs> well, another chapter in, uh, in Beyond Words. An uh, old chapter closes, a new one begins, a new book. New manifestations. I'm new so iterations. We're not going to stop. No, we're not going to stop. It's going to be actually really cool. Yeah. I think having different perspectives from different places will add add some flavor to this thing so we'll have to deal with the time zone difference with thailand which is <laughs> pretty Ooh. dramatic yeah i think that nighttime 12 nighttime, hour difference is it okay so that's easy uh so we'll do like early morning early morning for one of us late, late night evening for one of us yeah we'll figure it out we can do it but yeah well dude i'm super happy for you man i'm super excited thanks bro uh yeah this is great, and I just I want to commend your courage t to do this because to pick up and leave is not easy. Um, but every time I've done it, when the time is right, it's the best decision I could ever make. So I'm super excited for you. Thanks, God. Love you, man. I love you too, man. Thanks, everybody, for being with us on this chapter, and we'll see you in the next one. Going at you from Thailand. Whoa. In Waran, Peru. It's so funny, man. I left and you did it from here while I was gone. <laughs> now it's the opposite. I'll be <laughs> oh, the about turn tables have turned. The mountains are still here, dude. Uh, <laughs> today it's dusty. Uh, 
Same old shit, dude. <laughs> Tell me about Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's different. I don't know. Dude, tell me, dude. What is it like? I'm already there. <laughs> it's midnight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you, everybody. Thank you. We love, love you. guys. Peace. Peace.